Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Dipsode Mania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. Once again, Lance and I are doing an At The Movies show in which we pair our cocktails with two movies. This time we're taking on two classics from Alfred Hitchcock, The Bemusing to Catch a Thief and The Seriously Messed Up Vertigo. If you'd like to try our recipes or find links to the various things we discuss, please find our show notes at dipsomaniacast.com. And if you feel like it, let us know how we're doing at Dipsomaniacast on Twitter. Enjoy! Hello. 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 Hi. <laughs> All right. So, what are we doing first? Um. So, yeah. Um. Should we do like the the setup for the listeners, or just uh? Prop. Probably. <laughs> okay. So this episode of Dipsomania, we are talking about movies again, and this time we decided to talk about. Uh, I think two of Lance's favorites. He's a big Alfred Hitchcock fan. Um, I, I am. I'm a fan, but less of a fan, not so much of a student of his work. Uh, so we chose To Catch a Thief and Vertigo. Which are both from around the same period of Hitchcockiness, which is uh, mid to late 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other weird similarities uh, that I discovered when I did a little bit of research into uh-huh. this, uh, being that both films feature the male leads are 50, the female leads are both 25. Oh, wow. That's creepy. Yeah. And to, um, to Catch a Thief also has like at least some romantic interest from like a teenager, basically. Oh, and so she, yeah, she, the actress who plays the teenager, and there's a big thing about being young and having boobs and, and stuff, yeah. is actually a year and a half older than Grace Kelly. That's wonderful. That's great. And then another age thing is Grace Kelly's mom, who's also in North by Northwest. Uh, is, her character's is, name is Jesse, and her name is Jesse. And her name is Jesse. She's actually younger than uh, Cary Grant. Nice. So, and she plays Cary Grant's mom in North by Northwest. Oh my goodness! She plays she plays a lot of moms, I guess. I yeah. I, only, I only recognize her from those two films. I'm sure I've seen her in other things, right? Uh, and consequently, or uh, not consequently, uh, coincidentally, um, my drink from To Catch a Thief is based on two of her lines. Ooh, fun! Let's start with To Catch a Thief. Yeah, and that's also an easier film to watch than Vertigo. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, let's let's do To Catch a Thief. Okay, now we're going to make our original cocktails to match with the movie To Catch a Thief. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Here we go. I uh, I was back early because I cheated and pre-made mine uh-huh. uh, because it's carbonated. Oh. Although you can't really see. And it's an ample drink. It's, a, it's sort of a highball. Uh, and uh, mine is called Avez-vous Bourbon? <laughs> uh, which is a line that Jesse uh, mentions at the party near the end of the film. Everyone is drinking champagne. And she downs two full glasses and then looks at the 
Barkeepin asks, mm-hmm. Avez-vous bourbon? Mm-hmm. So this is a combination of bourbon, and it's two kinds. It's rye and bourbon. Okay. And then er, much earlier in the film, when when uh, we first meet the uh, Jesse and uh, Grace Kelly at the restaurant, she is commenting about champagne and how mm-hmm. what a waste of time it is just so women can say it tickles your nose. Right. So I wanted this to be uh, those two lines put together. So what it is is an ounce each of Pikesville rye and Eagle Rare bourbon. And then to that I added uh, dry cider, uh, forbidden bitters, and a half half ounce of simple syrup just to sweeten it a bit because the cider is rather dry. Uh-huh. Uh, and there you have it, the Avevu bourbon. All right. So mine... Is uh, very yellow. Mm-hmm. In a pretty, like her, like a uh, Grace uh, Kelly's dress at the end. And uh, it was, it was sort of uh, like you did last time. I was sort of referencing her blonde hair and whatever. Um, but this one's called uh, Francie's fireworks. <laughs> what a good scene! <laughs> <laughs> scene is so ridiculous, and I love it. Yes. And uh, this is uh, gin uh, with dry vermouth, a liqueur called Avez, which is uh, basically Sue's, but a little bit milder, and it's like all organic, which I don't think Sue's claims. Mm. Um, So that's where you get the color for. And then it's all topped off with, it should be champagne, but it was topped off with cava, because that's what I have. That that is totally fine. Um, I think my drink is okay. Uh, it, it very definitely an exper- experiment. I was also going to maybe go for champagne, but I thought champagne and bourbon together. Yeah, that seems strange. And really work. Uh, and I I I love this dry cider. Uh, this is my favorite rye and my favorite bourbon together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Pikesville rye is fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I wanted it to have a, a bit of a so it's got an ounce each so it's it's not a it's not an inconsequential drink right. by any means. Well, um, this one has two ounces of gin, so it's a pretty decent. But this will well, it should <laughs> not us, but it should last you a long time. It's a tall drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, add as much cider as you want. I initially added four ounces, but just to make the presentation look prettier, I added a little bit more. Yep. Uh, the the bourbon flavor definitely comes through. I don't think the bitters are necessarily required, but just to make it a cocktail, I threw them in. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, same. It's a slightly uh, golden color. Um, and actually, it it is quite tasty. It's quite uh, uh, brisk is a word I would use. I really uh, like this quite a bit. I tasted it before I added the cava, and I was sort of eh, not so sure, but. The cava really sort of spreads out the flavor and lightens it up. It's really tasty. So, are you 
I suggested these films, and I've seen them probably, I mean, a dozen times each. I can say that for Vertigo. To Catch a Thief, I've probably only seen maybe twice. Um, it's it's be, not considered one now. of his better films yeah. it, because it is so kind of lightweight. And uh, I think he admitted at some point in his career he really just wanted to go to France for a couple of months. Yeah. and So they made a film while they were there. Um, and he also talked Cary Grant from coming out of retirement mm. to to make the film. Uh, Cary a, a, apparently uh, thought that uh, with the method actors coming in, uh, and being all very emotional and overwrought on on screen, that his type of acting was no longer necessary. So he he left, and then Hitchcock I, said, "No, I've got a I have a script for you." Yeah, We're gonna I think go he's actually France. rather fantastic in this movie. Like his character is charming as a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I I think the fact that he kind of came back as a lark also adds to his performance because he doesn't really give a shit. Right. And he's think, not trying too hard, and there's a lot of looks well, at the I, camera. I think that I think that's key for his character is to like have that not give a shit. You know, like mm-hmm. when he gives when he gives the big speech about you know like you know you'd expect me to be guilty for my past or whatever. It's like no, I was just stealing stuff so I could have money and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was good at it, and uh, <laughs> it was nice to have stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> There's there's not a lot of drinking in the film. There's a lot of champagne. There's the the dinner with the insurance guy at his villa. There are like three bottles <laughs> that get opened. I think they're all wine of some sort. Yes, but because they're having quiche, so right. and I don't know that you'd have cocktails uh, for lunch. We do, but I don't know back then whether that was would be the case. I think wine probably makes more sense. Yeah, uh, but but Jessie's a drinker. She's what? She's from Texas, she says, or yeah, I don't remember. They're oil I don't remember people. She's from. Yeah, Grace Kelly is. Uh, you know, really, mm. that didn't really work. But yeah. you know, and of course, this was Grace Kelly's final film because mm. she fell in love with, or at least she was uh, taken uh, by uh, the hand by Prince Rainier right. of Monaco, where it was filmed, and mm. they subsequently got married, and she became Princess Grace. And then she eventually strangled herself with a scarf. Is that her story? Uh, No, she 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 may have had a stroke while driving. Ah, Okay. Uh, And she may have been driving on some of the roads you see in the film when she's driving her Alpine, her blue, her little blue car. Um, And I believe her daughter Caroline was with her at the time, and she did not survive the accident. So it was. I don't think Uh, a scarf was involved. Okay. Cause she just kind of. There, there's some apocryphal story about some movie actress who had like the long flowing scarf in the convertible, and that was it got, it got Sarah Sarah Bernhardt. Oh no, actually, it was Isadora Duncan. Uh, much much earlier, obviously, in in the annals of Hollywood. I don't, but I believe that's also, as you said, apocryphal. I don't okay. believe that happened to her either. But it's a good story. It is a good story. Um, it's gruesome, but a good story. Uh, the driving scenes in this movie are painful. <laughs> well, um, yeah. The, yeah. the opening chase, like when Cary Grant, like they come to his villa and they're trying to sneak up on him and he he escapes, but he, you know, he's sneaky about it. Yep. Um, that sort of wide angle chase scene, 
like of these cars on these sweeping yeah, hills yeah. and all that Hel- helicopter shots yeah that that was amazing but the like you know the sort of close in while you're driving with grace kelly and <laughs> well both both of these films feature new movie techniques one is in fact the one the, the driving scene you cite they had never mounted a camera on a helicopter before because helicopters are very shaky. Yeah. Um, it's very, it would, it was very difficult to do. They had to run a lot of tests to get it right, but he was, Hitchcock was adamant that he wanted that shot. It's uh, so a gorgeous they figured shot. out how to do it. Those just, it is, it's amazing. It, the, it's kind of a, the you're snaking the roads. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the coordination to, to bring that off had to be something at the time because I don't, you know, we have all this technology now where yeah. those kinds of things are easy to fake or easy to film. Well, easy, but yeah. certainly easier. Of course, it's <clears throat> slightly ruined by the uh, horribly foleyed in, like, screeching tire sounds and stuff like that. <laughs> well, come on, Jake, now come on. This is <laughs> ni- It's 1955. Like, color wasn't that broadly used at that point. That's Although a fair in point. This, this film is... The color is gorgeous. Yes, uh, particularly the last what's what's called the fashion show scene. Oh my goodness! Where they just have the the people in the costumes entering the party. Yeah, and they're all like beautiful, like robin's egg blue dresses and vibrant gold and red, and and the woman with the sheep and the dogs mm. and everything else. And it 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 again, it's not a great Hitchcock film, but it's super enjoyable. It's it just it's just a lot of eye candy going on. Oh yeah, and it's 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 a fun little caper of a story. And but getting back to the driving scene, so yeah, the 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 one that always the scene that always gets me in when when uh, I can't remember the character's name now. Uh, Grace Kelly's character is driving. A... Say it again, Francie. Francie, why can't I remember she's, that? She's Francie. Uh, John Roby. John Roby. Yeah, the cats. And Jesse, uh, so she's driving the car, and at this point, we as the audience are not supposed to suspect that she knows who he is or that anything is going on. And the 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 comedy is that she seems fearless and is just driving like a bat out of hell. And my favorite scene is when he's gripping his knees. Yes. Like, oh, I can't take. Who does that? No yeah. one does that. No, you'd be but grabbing now... the door handle or something. Right. Your own knees. I, I, Especially if you don't want the driver to know that you're really nervous about how she's doing. Yeah. But I love that. I love, like, I need an indication without him screaming, slow the fuck down. <laughs> so it's, gra- I'm going to gra- have, have him grab his knees. Yeah. But that, yeah, that whole scene is, it's fake. But I also like that they're foiled by a chicken. Right. <laughs> poulet. Poulet. No, poulet. <clears throat> And there, uh, there, there are lots of like interesting, just you know, French people being so very French. Uh, yes, aspects. You know, characters. Oh, another bad part of the driving scene is the the woman who walks across with the laundry. Yeah, and she she drops it very purposefully. Yeah, but I still I I buy it all. I because a lot of the film is rather fake. I mean the, um, and also. But I think this, that's what I'm getting at. Like. Um, it's not a comedy, but it has some comedy tropes. And I think mm-hmm. Hitchcock is really heavy handed with his comedy. Yes. Um, I don't think he's a funny guy. Um, 
I, I, Except you know, for his, his cameos are always hilarious. In his TV show, and his 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 he's very very dry in his presentation. But yeah, he doesn't do he doesn't do comedy well as far as film goes, um, uh, unless it's uh, a, a kind of comedy that's not uh, over. It's it's not uh, overt. Right. Um, it's it's uh, situational comedy. Um, but the other thing, so during this period of films, 3D films were were prevalent. So that's mm. you remember. So in the flower market, when the flowers spill forward, yeah, into the camera, yeah. So he's sort of trying to compete with 3D films, and, and they I, wanted they again, wanted this to again be 3D. the color again the color on those flowers. Like, yeah, it's crazy. There, there's no flower market with that many flowers. <laughs> 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 and that, yeah, yeah, they're all perfect and gorgeous, and and then the there's yellows are super yellow, and, and then there's the, a fist fight in the middle of them, and <laughs> it's 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 very. There's, I think, a lot of the reasons I like the film is because it's so weirdly awkward. Like the another example is the all of the lines of the police, not the police captain, the uh, the guy in the in the restaurant. The, the leader of the thief, the old thief. Thing. Right. So All yeah, of- we should say like one of the, one of the plot lines here is that John Roby was uh, fighting with the re- French resistance in world war two. As and- an acrobat. <laughs> and then As you do. from there, he started his thieving life, but like apparently his old crew just all work in a restaurant. <laughs> uh, yes, because they were all arrested and he got away. Yeah, so there's the, lots of resentment of crew, for that. The leader of the crew becomes the manager, or the, I guess the owner of the restaurant, but the, the actor, whose name I don't know, spoke no English. I don't even know why they would cast him. Oh, really? Yeah, so all of his lines are dubbed because he was trying to speak English based on phonetics, oh, and God. it apparently could not, none of it could be understood. No. So it's all overdubbed and not very well. It's it's weirdly like That's funny. I didn't notice it. it. Oh, I did not you, notice it. If you watch it the second time, particularly when they're having the conversation in the in the restaurant office about uh-huh. the, the insurance agent and everything, yeah. it's it's weird. Uh, it, the other man's voice is very weird when he speaks, and obviously when he when he speaks French, because at the party he's talking to his waiters, it's a it's a different voice totally entirely. Different voice. So. Interesting. Um, I will say like all the jabs at the insurance industry were hilarious <laughs> to me. I think Hitchcock hates businessmen. Like he's always on his show, like in his intros, he was always digging on sort of business people like lawyers, well, he, especially. He always had run-ins with the studio brass and also the censors about what he could say or get away with or what mm-hmm. was implied. That'll come much more in, into play in the, vertigo discussion then yeah. and, and then this one but um yeah he did not and the oh here's another piece of trivia that i learned he hates eggs okay so there's two scenes in to catch a thief <laughs> there's one when the big hulking guy in the restaurant throws the eggs at the window oh yeah the one like single egg goes split. Yeah. yeah and then there's another scene where jesse puts out a cigarette in an egg yolk yeah which was disgusting like yeah so Hitchcock <laughs> were, were the weirdest, most disgusting thing because they're they're in this round con- self-contained container, but inside is this weird viscous goo. And he always said blood is much more entertaining than eggs. Yeah, he's just afraid of women is all. He's, 
He's a liar. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he had some stuff about him. A, a little of it. I mean, uh, many people say that he kept he kept putting Cary Grant and uh, um, James Stewart in his films because they were his alter ego. Like, literally the black and white sides of his alter ego. So Cary Grant had the dark hair and the dark mm. eyes and was... Uh, comfortable around women and and seemed to like own any room that he walked into even when he was playing a bad guy right whereas james stewart was always awkward and sort of confused mm-hmm. and sweaty a lot sometimes um, naive yeah yeah so um and then he and then the other thing obviously hitchcock i, had to I, I will say off. in terms in terms of alter egos he's pretty generous to himself oh god <laughs> well what I mean, if you were going to cast yourself, you're like, I'm going to be Cary Grant, obviously. Why wouldn't you, if you had that power? I, I guess. <laughs> well, who would you, okay, Jake, who, who, would, who would play you, your alter ego? He doesn't have to look like you, Yeah. but he's going to be you in the, in the film of, it's just called Jake. Uh-huh. It's not a, not a musical. Uh, I'd go with somebody like Ed Norton. Mm. Because he's a good actor? Yeah. And you you enjoy watching him. Yep. And he's got a humor to him that I enjoy and identify with. Yes. uh, And he's also got an edge. If you've seen uh, the one where he plays the white supremacist. Oh, um, yeah. American American, History X. Yeah. Oh, God. That's not a film you want to rewatch very often. I have it on DVD because I have rewatched it probably five times. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would pick Ray Fiennes. Oh, nice choice. But almost based solely on his uh, part in um, the Wes Anderson film about the hotel. Uh. Uh, All right, so who who would you pick for me? Who would you pick? For Jake, I would pick... Wow, that is hard. Right. Um, this is an interesting game we fell into. I have to, let me think about that, and maybe it'll. Nothing comes off the top of my head. I think they need. I, I think they need to be charming. I think they need to be a bit self-effacing, and I think they obviously, if they're leading man, should be good looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so let me let me think about that. Ed Norton's a good one, but he's he's kind of a character actor. I wouldn't put him as a leading man generally. Um, he fell out of being a leading man. I don't know what happened in his career, but he was on track to be a I, leading man. I think it's because he's too good of an actor. Yeah, like he's an actor, actor. He's an act. Yeah, I think if you're going to be a leading man in American cinema, like if you you want Harrison Ford to play Harrison Ford, no matter what right. yeah. part that he's actually playing, you're going, oh, it's a Harrison Ford movie. Yep, I like Harrison Ford. Yep. Um. Well, I I have one for you. Okay. Um, Colin Firth. Oh, I would totally love Colin Firth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of parts I've seen him in and he's, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's a good choice. Thank you. You're welcome. I want Colin Firth to play me in the film. <laughs> I, I'm putting it down now. If I, if I, I mean, I, I consider, I, first. I consider that me having paid you a compliment for sure. Um, but I think it's also a great choice. I've I've never seen him with a beard though, so I'm super curious about that. I don't think I have either. Yeah. Well, I bet he can grow one. Um, 
Wow, that I, I I would have never thought of that for myself, but that's I would be chuffed as they say. If, yeah, absolutely, if played absolutely. Me. Um, I I wanted to. Oh, um, so the other the other Hitchcock thing is obviously he had a thing for leggy blondes, right? And, Did he reuse any blonde? Or was oh it yeah, a... he used Grace Kelly four or five times. Oh, seriously? Okay. Well, she was in Rear Window. She was in Dial M for Murder. She was in To Catch a Thief. Um, and probably, I, I can't think of any more. Those are the big ones. Okay. And he was super upset when she left acting. Okay. All right. She was definitely his favorite. Well, I mean, she's amazing. <laughs> and, and and he often carried resentments about the, the, the women that he cast in his films. Uh, well, because he has problems with women. I... He has tons of problems. Yeah, he was a fucked up dude. Yeah. Um, but he, he had trouble with Tippi Hedren. That's why Tippi's like did the birds and, and then she did Marnie. And then she's like, I'm out. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Um. He had a deal with Vera Miles, who was in Psycho. Mm. She was supposed to play um, uh, Mad- Mad- Madeline in Vertigo, but she got pregnant. Okay. <clears throat> so that's how Kim Novak ended up in that. Right. And then he recast Kim Novak again, uh, but we ha- we're not on Vertigo yet, so I won't visit that. Okay. Um, but All yeah. Right. So, I- so he did. I mean, I I forget uh, how yeah. ma- I forget how many goddamn movies the dude made, like. There are lots of movies. Well, yeah, he he spent thirty or forty years and probably did one. I mean, later in his career, they they were fewer and far between. Uh, but early on, uh, in in the black and whites, and even I think he might have done. I don't I don't know if he did any silent films, but um, he did a lot of British films that he remade later on. Uh, so he did he did um, the Man Who Knew Too Much twice. Uh-huh. He did Straits on a Train twice. Right. Um, so, and I actually he, appreciate that about him. Like he, he just wants to, like he knows a good story and he wants to modernize it. And, you know, it's yeah, yeah. And he was a he was a really good storyteller, and he was a a really good film director. He used the camera in new and interesting ways. Oh, he invented uh, techniques left and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. He, he was a perfectionist and he he definitely had an idea of what he wanted to put out on film. And when he was challenged, he always rose to the challenge. He didn't say, oh, we can't do that. Rope is an example of that. Someone said, can you make one one long uncut film? Right. And the only reason that Rope has literal cuts in it when he zooms in on the back is because you could only load so much film in a camera. Yep. You couldn't literally film a two-hour film. Yeah, you couldn't run film for two hours. So, but can you imagine being on that set and like you do something wrong and you have to start all the way over from the beginning? It's like performing a play. It is, but in a play, you keep you just keep going. If you flub a line, somebody else picks it up, or you go somewhere and you eventually find your your line again. In the film, you have to follow the script. You because the camera is going to have to be in certain places at certain times. Mm I would, I think that, and that was one of the films uh, he withdrew from distribution, along with Vertigo, until his death. Huh. 
Yeah, I don't I I don't know the reason why, and probably no one does. But there were, I believe, four films that he said nobody gets to see these, and one was Vertigo. Oddly enough, yeah, that doesn't make <clears throat> any sense. Vertigo is probably one, of, probably my favorite. I think no, North by Northwest. I think is my favorite. Yes, it, that that's got everything in it. Yeah. Uh, and and for once it has a really well I don't I that's this is a bad thing to say uh, but I I really like the female protagonist in North by Northwest. Um, she's smart, she's savvy, she's playing an agent. Right. We're 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 okay with spoilers, right? We're giving away. It's, it's all spoilers. It's all spoilers. It's all spoilers. Um, but these I love movies the were made in the 1950s. The scene in the train. <laughs> between Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint, mm. where they're both uh, doing innuendo about mm. having sex, mm-hmm. is so, it's so good, because they both know what they're talking about, but they pretend that they don't. Yeah. And it it's just great. It's one of the best scenes of any Hitchcock, I, I think. I feel like that was one of Hitchcock's favorite games, was, you know, seeing what he could get past the censors and what he could, you know, titillate the viewers with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so the your cocktail of choice, the fireworks scene mm-hmm. in To Catch a Thief, is nothing but sex. Right. He, she is tempting him. Uh, the lighting is such, and yeah. when he's lifting the jewels from her cleavage. In in, and... in any other world, they were having sex in that yes. scene. <laughs> and they keep cutting to the firework, whoa, and the music is going off. I wonder if that was the first, because that became a cliche about sex and fireworks. Firework so orgasm, was, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's where it started. I, I didn't, I don't know, but that's it seems like. That's interesting, yeah. And the, that scene is also just gorgeous. The The lighting is done so particular and so perfectly, but, but it's, in a believable way so that when when the actor walks into their spotlight so to speak and there's right. fireworks going off it it seems to work it's not as if that light was there in the first place and they walked over into it and and again like you said the dialogue is is all foreplay or or not even foreplay it's, it is sex <laughs> so in the movie the actual thief turns out to be the teenage daughter that is obsessed with John Roby at bizarrely like yeah made me uncomfortable <laughs> <clears throat> yeah especially now that you know he's 50 yeah because he looks good he wears a bathing suit oh yeah they there's beach scenes and everything but yeah uh, he doesn't uh, for 50 years I mean I I'm up in the 50s and I don't look like that Neither do I. I'm not quite 50 yet, but I don't look like that. No, I, I uh, more appreciation to Cary Grant there. I mean, he, and then, uh, so he came back, he did 11 more years of films after this. Wow. Uh, he just, he's like, okay, I can make money. I yeah. don't, I don't give a shit what people Fine. do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just, and drink, I love, I'll just drink whiskey and say my lines, you know? <laughs> and I think this is, if you were to, if you were to try to encapsulate a Cary Grant role or a Cary Grant film, I think this would be pretty near the top of the list. Because as you point out, he's charming. Yeah. He's a little bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. He he seems to have all the women in the palm of his hand effortlessly. Well, he's I mean, not a rogue. He's not a cad. No, I mean, he, he is a gentleman. Mm-hmm. As, as, yes. 
as far as the jewel thief can be, I guess. But and it, it um, seems like he's got a joke in mind, but he's in it with the audience. Yeah, he and, doesn't uh, look directly at the camera, but he's always kind of got these looks to the side or looks to yeah. you know like a glance saying, "Yeah, I know, I know." And it's so funny, like how he bristles at being called the cat, but like he is lithe and sexy, like he's cat. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's got a cat. Yes, for God's sakes, man. If you're going to be the cat, don't have a a black cat at that. And and he oh the the French style like striped long sleeve shirt with the red kerchief. Oh, at the, be- at the beginning, sexy. And then he as says a he motherfucker that guy. And then he says he has to change out of it to go to the police station. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Cary Grant. This is not appropriate police station. Yeah, can I at least put some? I need a proper I need clothes a on. I don't, I don't know what the fuck. What what's proper police station etiquette for? I mean, it's, probably a jacket. It's I probably guess. a jacket and a tie. Yeah. Oh, and his villa. Uh huh. Yeah. It's overlooking Monaco. He sits out on the patio. He's got the uh, the French maid who can strangle a German yeah, general and right. <laughs> can, can make the the quiche Lorraine. Uh, drinking wine it's a life of leisure oh my god yeah who doesn't want that life no i i was really jealous of that character it's like i i i could do his life that would be okay <laughs> and then the the uh necessary hitchcock cameo occurs pretty early on yeah it's when... that chase scene that helicopter chase scene and then they loop back to find out that he's been at his villa the whole time and he like doubled somebody in the car it was the maid, right? The maid, yep. Um, Who then yells at the police for yeah. stopping her. <laughs> it's so good. And um, She's speeding at like 80 miles. She's like going like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Like, you! I don't know. She's, it's all in French. I don't yeah. know what she's saying. But. It's amazing. But then, yeah, the, the cameo is he comes from his villa and like hops on the bus that happens to be driving by. And then uh, Alfred Hitchcock is sitting next to him. Yes, and I always thought that this film came after The Birds, which is why... So Cary Grant looks to his left, I believe, and there's a woman with a birdcage. Yeah, to his right is the woman with the birdcage. To his left is Alfred. Hitchcock. And he looks at the birdcage first, and then he looks at Hitchcock, and I always thought that was like uh, Hitchcock saying, yeah, I did The Birds, which was tense and horrible, but this is just going to be fun. We're all going to have fun. But in fact, The Birds came out nearly eight years later so oh really nothing to do with the birds so it was foreshadowing maybe of the birds maybe he was thinking about it at the time <laughs> yeah maybe he was like saying i got something on hold for you that you're going to find disturbing but for now we're just going to ride on a bus and go to monaco and have some fun yeah i don't know this is a fun movie everybody should see it um it's got lots of like eye-rolly tropes that were oh yeah you know, probably. Well, you they, said you you. So did you watch it and like make fun of it through the whole thing, or no? That was more Vertigo that we did that. Oh 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 oh. <laughs> that I want to hear about that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, to catch a thief, if if you're not into Hitchcock films, this is probably the least Hitchcockian Hitchcock film that there is. It's still um a mystery, so to speak. But everybody's beautiful. Everybody's uh, beautiful. Um, there's only one death that I recall, which is the dad, the, uh, the guy yeah, with the big yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But uh, both Cary Grant and Grace Kelly are just charming as hell and like people you wish you could be next to. So here's a, here's a question I have for you, which I've never understood this scene. So they're in the hotel lobby and they're going to go to the beach. Right. And she comes out with a big white hat yeah. and a black and white outfit and everybody in the lobby is just staring at her. Yeah. Why are they doing that? I think she is supposed to be just that stunning. I didn't get it. Like she's all covered up. Like there's nothing. I didn't get it either. I thought it was like, why is she wearing that ridiculous outfit? Why? It's got these weird panels down the side. Yeah. And a giant hat. And, like and even Harry Grant and... looks at her like, what the fuck are you wearing? But so, I... if it, so if it's supposed to be, she's so stunningly gorgeous. I can't believe she's real. Yeah. That's not how it comes across. But I think that's what it was supposed to be. But it did. It does not play that way. No, especially nowadays. But so did, you did catch that when early in the film when he comes he so he's in the boat from the restaurant and he's going to be dropped off at the beach by the teenager mm-hmm. that she's sitting behind him she's the one with the dark glasses she sees him come on the beach oh yeah i didn't get that for the longest time because i just kept looking at him because he's carrie Grant. right yeah yeah i didn't get that was her for some reason yeah but like the whole like swimming out to the little floating dock to chat up the teenager. Oh but what has she got more than me? Except money. And you are getting plenty of that. Danielle, you are just a girl. She is a woman. Why do you want to buy an old car if you can get a new one cheaper? It will run better and last longer. It's and so then, weird. And then getting caught by Francie, like she swims out and is like, what the hell's going on out here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, nothing. The, just talking to this teenager. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I've got big boobs. Oh, yeah. You want to see some big boobs? Do women talk about that? women are doing? No. I just I don't think so. Say something nice to her, Danielle. She looks a lot older up close. Uh-oh. A mere child, anything over 20 might seem old. A child? Shall we stand in shallow water and discuss that? Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's To Catch a Thief. We are, we're more than a half an hour into this now, so we need to move along. All right, well, my drink the is empty. The might be even longer. Yeah? My drink is also empty. Okay, so, so uh, let me check my notes. Our double feature continues. Because uh, my vertigo drink is interesting. So, yeah. All right. Ooh, all right. Yours okay. is all frothy and delicious looking. Isn't that pretty? So what is it? Uh, so let me take a sip first. So... <laughs> This is more high concept than probably it needs to be. But so my idea, there's a lot of different ideas shaping this fairly simple, straightforward cocktail. I call it the other woman. Nice. Uh, And the ingredients be uh, one and a half ounces of gin, one ounce dry vermouth, one ounce orange juice, uh, three quarter ounces of Cointreau and an egg white. The idea here is that uh, Jimmy Stewart's character in Vertigo falls in love with a woman who's fake. Right. 
sees another woman on the street who resembles the woman he's in love with from a year ago. Yeah. And he remakes her into that woman. Mm-hmm. So this is as if he fell in love with a drink of uh, gin and orange juice. Okay. He sees a martini walking down the street. And he combine he tries to combine them to to make the perfect woman or the other woman. Wow. <laughs> and I added the egg white only because that I learned that Hitchcock hates egg white. Well, yeah, okay, good. He would want to overcome it and try to make it something that it's not. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. How's that? So <laughs> that's that's pretty good. So. Uh, for both of these movies, I took little notes, like very sparing notes, um, as I was watching them. And, uh, so for To Catch a Thief, my notes were more driven for like ideas to formulate a drink. Huh? So like I say France, so French ingredients. Cool. Uh, Grace, (laughs) Grace Kelly is blonde. Is there already a cocktail named after Grace Kelly? Turns out there is. It's gross. <laughs> well, we need to improve that then. Because um, it shouldn't be gross. It's Grace Kelly. And then Roby is a jewel thief. So I was thinking about the Bijou, which is uh, a Negroni variant, basically. And then okay. my recipe, which is the citrine that actually got published by Gaz Reagan in one of his books. Congratulations. Um, that is cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty proud moment for a home bartender. Um, I think I'm the only home bartender that he's ever published. So. He remarked on that. So, yeah, that's congratu- again, congratulations. So that's cool. Um, so then um, we already talked about it, but my notes say, like, one of the most scenic car chases ever, and it ends with the Hitchcock cameo on the bus. And then other car scenes are nauseating. So those are my notes for <laughs> To Catch a Thief. Yeah. Now, now dig my notes for Vertigo. <laughs> Give me your hand. Opening scene. Um, then there's a note for the uh, sassy sidekick lady, Midge. Mm-hmm. Because she's cool. Uh, the cantilever brazier gets a note. <laughs> the phrase beautiful mad carlotta Ooh, yeah um falling that in... would be a good cocktail actually that's actually the name of my cocktail is it <laughs> god damn it it's a lot better than the other woman um uh falling into san francisco bay and then like the line she went into the bay and then i have a note uncooperative kissing <laughs> well, okay, go ahead. Follow, yeah. Followed by a note, face rape. <laughs> I want to hear which one you thought that was, because there is a lot of weird kissing. There's like eyeball sucking and like, it's weird. It's very, very, well, very awkward. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. And then uh, also another line quoted called, go up the stairs, Judy. <laughs> And I've, I forget actually what that was, but it was a That's hilarious line. He's, he's hilar- discovered who she is. Yeah. And he's trying to make her reenact the scene where Madeline supposedly died. 
That's right. They're going up the Go up bell tower. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so my drink, the beautiful Mad Carlotta. Oh, such a good. That is such a good name. Um, it's one and a half ounces of Singani sixty three, which is going to take us down a whole rabbit hole. Okay. We'll come back to it. Um, Singani is the national liquor of Bolivia. It's a great, Whoa. it's a great brandy. Like a Pisco. Like a Pisco. Way more floral than a Pisco. It's mm. amazing. You have to seek it out. Okay. But I, 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 I have a story around Singani 63. Um, then it's got uh, an ounce. So ounce and a half of the Singani. One ounce of Casa Mariol Vermouth. That's the uh, really dark sweet vermouth from Spain. Mm-hmm. which is delicious. And then half an ounce of Fernet Branca because San Francisco. That's a lot. So it's kind of a hanky panky, but with this weird floral brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's delicious. It's a really good drink. Nice. Yeah. Mine's mine's okay. I know I'm missing some notes on it, but I think I've veered more towards thematic than actually making a good cocktail. It's not a bad cocktail. Um, but it, it's kind of, uh, almost there. Something, something's missing that I haven't had the time or, or encouragement to find. Yeah. Um, and so, also I forgot so to mention So tell me what it other... is again. Run through it one more time. Uh, I forgot to mention two other notes about it, uh, which is supposedly Hitchcock's favorite cocktail was the white lady, which oddly contains uh, egg whites. Yeah. See, uh, but it's gin, lemon, and egg white. He, he and probably hates the yolks because that's where new life comes from. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Uh, and the other, the other note was when he had when he moved from London to California. When he would have parties, he fixed a, a cocktail that he never gave the recipe for, but it involved the gin and orange juice. So I tried to ah. put those in there. So I did do a little, a little homework. Yeah. Uh, so the other, the other woman is one and a half ounces of gin, one ounce dry vermouth, one ounce orange juice. And I wasn't going to include any other orange flavor, but oddly, mm. the orange juice completely gets subsumed unless you add three quarters of an ounce of Cointreau as well. Uh-huh. And then the egg white. And this is one full egg white. Yeah. Uh, that's really close to... Uh, one of the borough drinks, like I think the Queens is a gin and orange juice. Mm. Yeah, I I didn't really uh, Vertigo. What I wanted to, what my plan was. So a lot of a lot of Vertigo is about color. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are three main colors that repeat thematically. One is green, one is red. And one is blue, RGB, oddly. Um, Well, I mean, certainly the uh, Jaguar is green and there's some other green. If you go back and and watch it again, should you wish to, you will notice that any time Jimmy Stewart is attracted to Madeline slash Judy, there is green involved. The first time he sees Madeline in the restaurant, she's wearing a black dress with a green stole. Okay. When and and then red comes into play because when he is looking at her from profile, that entire restaurant is got this bloody red wallpaper on it. Uh-huh. 
as he looks at her for the first time, she's in green means go, yep. means safe. Yeah. But the background is literally vibrating red. Mm-hmm. Like Hitch- Hitchcock turns up the red or turns on some lighting behind her. So it's also saying, stop, don't, you don't want to go this way. So I wanted my cocktail to reflect that and either be like super green, but that like Midori or yeah, something. No. Or super red. And I'm thinking grenadine or Campari. I know there's, I know there's drinks that use uh, muddled strawberries and, and there's various ways to get red. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I felt like, but red within the film context means stop. Right. Don't go there. There's so, <clears throat> Um, and then blue is safety. So blue is police officer uniforms. Blue is the suits that the jury is wearing. Blue is a lot of times Jimmy Stewart's character is wearing a blue suit and his eyes are blue. But even in the dream sequence, it's flashing between those three colors, green, red, blue. Yeah. Um, so. By the way, that fucking trial scene was hilarious. I don't understand the trial. Like, why are they having the trial at the mission? I don't know. What? Why They're, wouldn't they have it in the city? The, the judge is just sitting at a table with his legs hanging out. The jury just sort of like look at each other and be like, "Yeah, okay, we're decided." It's so weird. <laughs> it's like, like it was. They don't. Game, like, they don't oh, go we, deliberate or anything. They just like we huddle need to up. Have a reason for for Stewart's character to end up in the insane asylum with the beautiful view of the park, um, which actually. Uh, that literally now, of course, like everything else in San Francisco is converted to condos, uh, but that really was an insane asylum or a hospital for the oh, wow. deranged yeah. right near, uh, not Yerba Buena, um, big park anyway. And it, the building is still, most of the buildings in the, in that film are still here in San Francisco. They probably don't serve the same functions as they did once. Uh, and in fact, so Jimmy Stewart's character's apartment with the r- violently red door, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and I read a, it was a first floor apartment. I, I actually had like some back and forth with, with my wife on this because the view out of his window didn't seem like a first floor view, but that's because of the hills of San Francisco. Well, uh, that might be Midge's apartment. No, hers is hers is higher up, but I was talking about his apartment. Okay. And, well, and, and Heather so was that... saying like, "No, that's a ground floor apartment." They showed the front door and like all that stuff. I was like, "No, that can't be. Look at that view." <laughs> well, you you also need to remember that a lot of that is about vertigo. So you're looking down. Right. And even even the driving scenes oftentimes are going downhill. Mhm. So so uh, you know, that's a theme of the film, obviously, is that fear of heights, even though you're in San Francisco. Uh, but that apartment is still it's still there and it's on Lombard. OK, which which is, the, you know, the the windy street that every with the flowers mm. and everything. And it became like so popular with it, tourists. It's on that windy part or it like... is on that windy part. Yeah. OK. But uh, it became so popular with tourists because there are tours you can take, the Vertigo tours, where you see all of these scenes. Sure, yeah, yeah, they yeah. literally elected, erected a wall in front of the door so you can't see it. Because <laughs> it's the same door. It's, it's no longer red. And the, and the mailbox is there. It's all, but like, that's a real apartment. People live there? 
people do live there and they <laughs> got tired of people. Yeah. It's okay. like it's the same as Alamo Square with the uh uh the 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 the, the, the queen the the queen Anne gorgeous uh right. houses that you always see and those people are sick and tired of people staring into their living room too but what are you going to do? It's it's tourist season. Yeah, for sure. Um, um but the but that theme of color like if you go back through and watch it again, should you have uh, inclination? I, I certainly will. Watch for the green and the red are super important, and it's not all. And I didn't realize it until I read somebody else's uh, uh, examination of the film, and I thought he was just kind of so overwhelmed with Technicolor that he wanted to saturate scenes with right. the because Technicolor is, you know three literally three different film strips that they combined together to make the color so i thought he was like oh i if i concentrate on green and red and blue those are going to be saturated and come through very clearly uh but thematically it does carry through that whenever jimmy stewart is turned on or um sees madeline or sees judy as madeline everything turns green yeah. In her apartment, so when she finally comes, when Judy comes out of the, her bathroom and she's finally made up as Madeline and she's got her hair done and she's wearing right. the gray suit, it's in the soft focus that he first sees her in the cemetery and everything's green. Everything's hmm. green. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fun. And Hitchcock does things like that. Like he has themes in his movies and he, he does play psychologically with things that you don't necessarily note in the front of your mind, but they disturb you in the back of your mind and you don't know why. Well, and that's why people are students of his even now. Like they, there's, there's lots to learn from him in terms yes. of filmmaking. And it's interesting to me that, so he did these two films and there's like, we've discussed super saturated with color. And then he goes back and makes psycho Mm. which has no color at all. Yep. And I I didn't I don't really know why he decided to do that. It wasn't a budgetary concern because he certainly could make any film that he wanted to, but he did make the decision that this is going to be in black and white. I don't want this to be in I color. I think I think Psycho is such a scary story that it reads better in black and white. Like it would just I think, it would just be gory. Like, especially yes. this shower scene would just be gory if it was in color, but in black and white, I mean... Yes. It's... And another... So, Psycho was a film where he started the rule that you cannot come into the middle of a film as an audience. So, I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know this. Before Psycho, you would buy a ticket to a film and you would just go in and start watching whether the film was in progress or had started. You don't line up for it. You don't wait for the beginning because they would show several films at a time. Oh. So you're going to the movies. You don't really care. So you'd watch it maybe from the middle to the end and then you'd come back and you watch from the beginning. Well, there were also all out. the newsreels and all that stuff, you know, especially in the 40s and yeah, even but, before that, but like it was newsreels and like going to the movies was so much more than just watching the movie. Yeah, and it just kept going. So th the theaters didn't care what you did with your ticket when you wanted to go in or not. Hitchcock said with Psycho, you cannot go into the middle. 
you can't go in. You have to watch this from the beginning to the end because he didn't want you to know what the end was when you saw the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So he he also started the idea of watching a film from, from the beginning to, to the end. end. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good old. Uh, which has nothing to do with Vertigo. Um, the other, the uh, another thing I wanted to point out. I, so I, it's such a fucked up movie, dude. Seriously, actually, <laughs> before we start on that, can I just do a slight jag on the cars? Because sure. I fucking love the cars in this movie. I had to look up uh, Jimmy Stewart's DeSoto. It's mm-hmm. a it's a 1956 DeSoto Fire Dome Sportsman Hardtop Coupe. <laughs> Fire Dome, that's cool. The front doors of this car are probably six feet long. <laughs> <laughs> God, that was such a good time for cars. Oh and my her God. car, her green car. Green her, car. Her Jaguar is amazing. Like, Beautiful. That front is like like a penis. It's just yeah. giant and just sticking out there. Well, and th- that's that's when Jaguars were Jaguars. I mean... I don't know. They're beautiful <laughs> now. They're, they've really come back with design, I think. I don't know how they are mechanically, but they are gorgeous cars. They're They're owned by an Indian company now, so they are suspect to me. It, okay. In terms of like manufacturing. Is that racist, Jake? Probably. Okay. But I'm I mean, glad you admit it. <laughs> it's it's also like It's Tata, right? Tata is the Indian company. Possibly. And they make cheap cars. Yeah, well that's that's my whole point. It's like But you, I think they're still you go, making the you, Jaguars. You go, you in... go to China or India for cheap labor and yeah. yeah, but I think that they bought Jaguar to try to like lift their. Li- well, we're getting off on a tangent, but I I love the look of Jaguars now. And but you're right, the but like the 60s Jaguars and the 50s Jaguars, gorgeous, gorgeous. Cars. Today's Jaguars are very aggressive, like supercar looking cars. Hmm. Uh, but I think they have an elegance. Well, Aston Martin to me is the same. I think the British yeah. kind of do a good balancing act. Yeah, you're you're uh, right. I mean, Aston Martins these days are also very muscly, but have good lines to them, and they're kind and of. And I mean, they cost a million dollars or yeah. something. So what the fuck? Uh, but um, but those like forties and fifties Jaguars are. Well, I also love all those scenes of just driving around with no dialogue, and not nauseating. Like those are smooth driving scenes. Like it, I'm comfortable. Like even though there's like the weird projection behind Jimmy Stewart when he's driving, yeah. like those are comfortable driving scenes. Like, eh. I wonder if that was another thing that he. I mean, they're prevalent. There's at least I think three extended driving or following scenes where he is following Madeline slash Judy around the city. Yeah. Um, it also shows San Francisco in a gorgeous light. Because, like the, the... looping back to what we were about to go into, this <laughs> is a stalker movie. It totally is. It's so fucked up! <laughs> I mean, I, I love this film, but it is so fucked up all the way through. Jimmy Stewart's character is... Fucked up. And something, something is very wrong with him. Yeah. And Midge. So the, the so the Midge character was added by the screen. So this is based on a French book. Okay. Yes. And the Midge character was added 
by the screenwriter uh, who also wrote, uh, oh God, the Audrey Hepburn Sabrina, um, which is also a bit stalkerish if you think about it. Yeah. Um, So he added the character of Midge because otherwise there was nothing about Jimmy Stewart that you were going to like. You needed something to kind of ground him. So he had this normal ex-girlfriend who they were engaged in college. I mean, but that's not, that's not, but that's not, that doesn't make you feel good about him. Like he's, I'm, he's... Just, <laughs> I'm just saying this, this is why that character was added, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of subtext about Midge as well. Like, is she a lesbian? Is the whole, that why the whole conversation? No, the whole conversation was like, you know, you're torturing me by being my friend, basically. <laughs> How's your love life, Midge? It's following a train of thought. Well, normal. Aren't you ever going to get married? You know, there's only one man in the world for me, Johnny O. You mean me? We were engaged once, though, weren't we? Three whole weeks. Yeah, good old college days. But you were the one that called off the engagement, you remember? I'm still available. Available Ferguson. (laughs) I love the close-up on her from like a three-quarter angle from above with her mm-hmm. glasses, and she's looking over the rim at Stuart as he's like reminiscing about their engagement in college yeah. that she broke off. Yeah. Like, why would she do that? Like, And then she keeps friends with him. Oh, <clears throat> and then I want to come back to color. So it's pointed out. Remember how red means stop? Yep. So at his, his apartment door is red, and right. he won't let her in. He won't let any woman into his life. Until he remakes her. Wow. Yes. It's so weird. It's so good. Oh, my God. And Stuart, to his credit, pulls it off. Oh, my God. This is one of Stuart's best performances, I think. Like, he... <laughs> We're just shaking our head here. It's, uh, there, the scene early on, again, when he first sees Madeline in the restaurant and he's sitting at the bar... And he's kind of looking to the side. He doesn't want her to see him looking at her. Mm-hmm. But in the context of the film, you're thinking, well, he's a detective and he's trying to hide from her. But no, you can see on his face, he needs to look at her. Yeah. He's already like, oh, fuck, I need to, I need to, I don't even know what he needs to do. He doesn't need to hit that. He's not having sex with anybody. Yeah, nobody has <laughs> sex in these movies. But, no, um... <laughs> he, he did he literally wants, like, she apparently is some... Oh, so, back to color again. So if you'll notice, after he sees her initially with the green, she only wears gray. Right. And the reason is, he needs to make her over. Huh? He needs to fill in the color. She's a... Now she's... Now she's nothing. No, right? but she wore the gray as Madeline, right? Yes. Like, she jumps... She jumps. As Madeline, she only wears gray, white, and black, except in the initial scene when she has yeah. the green stole. All, all of the removes. All of the suicide attempts are in gray. Are in gray. But when, when he, but there the, were the lots thing of about, air quotes around suicide attempts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but when he remakes her, the gray absorbs the color that he sees. So outside Madeline, outside Judy's apartment, 
There's the Empire Hotel sign, which is green, uh, green neon, yep. which is shining through the window when she comes out. Her bathroom door literally is green when she comes out. Oh, interesting. So he's he's trying to, again, this is one man's interpretation, but I think it's really cool. He's trying to make her into something she's not. And then he's seeing what he wants to see, even though all the, the I mean, the entire time Judy's like, please don't do this. The right. first time, the first time he goes out with Judy, what color does she wear? Purple. Mm. She's trying to be her own woman. She's trying to say, I don't fit in to whatever your expectations well, are. And, this, and that's the bizarre part of this whole stalker relationship is like Judy, when she was playing Madeline, fell for Jimmy Stewart's character? Yes, but she's not Madeline. He doesn't know who she is. Right. He's actually never met Madeline. And he's never met Judy. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he falls in love with a woman who's not real and then makes a real woman into a fake woman. It's so fucked up. I, uh, it's amazing. So when this film came out, it was a failure. Uh, it, it it did not do well. The critics didn't like it. Uh, Hitchcock blamed it on the age difference. Actually, he said maybe James Stewart wasn't believable, or maybe the audience couldn't relate to him because he's like he is like an old man stalking this young woman. Right. But really, and and subsequently, it was reassessed, and the critics went back and, and looked at it again. Um, and it was basically after his death. Again, this was one of the films that was pulled off the market and you couldn't see. And it was after his death and people were like, oh, that's Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. He's This is literally his autobiographical film about himself. He takes the, the brunette and makes her a blonde. Yeah. He takes a woman he finds sort of attractive and makes her into a model of the perfect woman. And she's fake. Yep. Oh, my God. It's so good. A little too... I I tell you, like, the whole... Like, the period where, like, Judy has said, for whatever bizarre reason, I'm in love with you. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> and, Why? Why? And Why? he's like, And he's like, well, for me to love you, you're going to have to look like this other person. And why does it matter to you? Why? I'm buying you all these clothes and these shoes and this hair and I'm already doing your face. And like for that entire period, like they're romantic with each other. Sort of. Ish. I mean, they're going to dinner. I don't know. Again, do I mean, they have sex? I don't think so. He sucks on her eyeball a little bit. Like it's oh, really so let's weird. Get, let's get into the kissing <laughs> So after, I, I I read your comment and I went back and I I watched I watched it today uh -huh. and I think it's because there's a couple of scenes uh, that involve a really long kissing scene. One is late in the film again when Judy becomes Madeline, right? And the camera is going around them and her bedroom or her apartment turns into the stable at the mission. And then turns back into her apartment. Um, and I'm wondering if the actors are like, I don't know how to kiss for this long. I don't know how to make it interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to lick your neck and I'm going well, like, no, to mean, pet against what, you. What, and... what, what, what I'm talking about is a kissing scene where they're like kissing with their mouths. 
And then I think it's Judy at that point sort of turns her face away. Like she needs a pause or something, but Jimmy kind of keeps going and he's so much taller than her <laughs> that it just ends up like being his open mouth on her eye. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's in character. Maybe that's super good. Like, like he, 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 like the mouth is too intimate. So I'm going to, there's another orifice nearby <laughs> and I don't want to lick your nose or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's, here's an eye and it's kind of salty and whatever. Yeah, just let I, me, I, I'm into that. Let me taste your tears. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that see how deep this film goes? Yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh I, I am Okay, I am, so I have I, I have I a story to tell. Um outside of movie stuff. Have we covered movie stuff? I think so. Okay. I think we've convinced people that they need to see these fucking films. So my drink's all gone, but Singani sixty three. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Singani is the uh, national booze of Bolivia. So Singani is the type of booze. Yeah, it's so not like a, not where you would say, where you would say pisco, you say Singani. Um, Singani sixty three is the brand that is imported by film director Steven Soderbergh. Oh, okay. And so that's the one that. It, the only one that we can get or yeah that's the only one in the states um there are many singanis it's like mezcal you know it's regional and whatever okay but uh there are rules about singani like it has to be made from a single grape like they use muscat grapes i think Mm -hmm. um but it has to be a single grape that grew at an altitude above 5200 feet okay so basically close to a mile high, like Denver. Um, Maybe because of more mineral that sort of. I don't. I, I think don't I think that's just most of Bolivia. Is that that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've never been, so I'll take your word it's, for it. It's it's a landlocked country in Central America. Like, I mean, yeah, probably. Romancing the Stone is in Bolivia, right? Is it? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think so. Um, also has to be distilled at that altitude. So you can't just like harvest your grapes and distill it somewhere sure. else. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the still cares. Well, it, boiling point changes. So it actually does matter. Um, <laughs> sure. I believe you do. There's science. There's science. All right. Trust me. <laughs> uh, so the end result is... Not unlike a Pisco, but totally different from a Pisco. Like, it's so floral. Uh, it's, I, I, the first time I had a bit of it neat, because I was first having like punches with it. Uh-huh. I, I went to an event, and that's what I'm getting to. Okay. But, but uh, at the event, it was really busy and stuff. So I just took the punch because that was an easy pour and like that, that was easy. Yeah. Um, and the punch was delicious, but once I finally tried it neat, I was like, this is drinking, this is like drinking perfume. It's so So it's floral. not like, because Pisco is not like that. I I don't enjoy Pisco on its own. It's 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 like, it's sort of chemical and acetate to yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's kind of kerosene. Depending, yeah. de- I, w- I will say the uh, El Campo brand is really good, so try mm-hmm. that. Um, 
but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, anyway, so it's like just the most floral, clear liquor that I've had ever. Like it's almost verging on being uh, like Saint Germain or something, but it's a clear booze. Is it sweet? No, but it's so okay. floral that you fool yourself into thinking it's sweet. Huh. Um, okay. And have you been... So, actually, I was going to try to do a riff on a Pisco Sour because supposedly that's a San Francisco drink. Which really? I don't... No, it's not. That's, that, that's what I've read. No, it's it's from, like, Lima, Peru. Uh, I know, but <laughs> we take credit for... We, we also took credit for the martini. We take credit for everything. Yeah, well... Um, but I, I don't know what to do with Pisco other than make a Pisco sour. So um, I was like, that's where I was going. I actually do make a Pisco Negroni that I like quite a bit. Huh. But with, with the El Campo? Yeah. And there's two El Campos, you know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I can't specify which one I, know, right. I know and like, but it's, yeah. I don't know why there are two, but there are. Um, I think one's more expensive than the other. So anyway, the event... Was, oh yeah, was basically like the launch event for uh, Singani sixty three coming into the Denver market. Um, it was held at my favorite bar, Rhino Yacht Club. So I saw about it on Facebook, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to that. I'm gonna like play hooky from work and leave work at one o'clock and go to this event with a bunch of bartenders." And Steven Soderbergh was there. Nothing wrong with that. That's a that's a lifestyle choice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Soderbergh was there, and it, it was really funny because my boss is a big Soderbergh fan. So I was kind of like, <laughs> I was kind of live slacking him. I was like, yeah, I totally spent like five minutes chatting up Soderbergh. He's like, oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you invite him? Well, because he doesn't drink. <laughs> but he could meet Soderbergh and fake it. Yeah. You can hold a glass of water and say it's vodka. No one's going to know. It's true. But um, Soderbergh is like a really down-to-earth, nice guy. And he's super into his booze. Excellent. The whole, the whole, the whole thing happened. He, uh, he was working on the movie Che. Yeah, which I have not seen. I haven't which is like, isn't it like eight hours long or something? Probably. I mean, it's yeah. Soderbergh. Have you seen Bubble? Bubble's weird. Don't watch it. I have not seen Bubble. <laughs> um. That's the doll one, right? Uh, dolls. Doll factory something? Maybe. It's it's in like West Virginia and like none of the people were actors. They just hired locals to be the actors. All right. It's that, I might give it a try. It sounds interesting. It's very experimental. And Soderbergh does that. Like he makes the Oceans movies so that he has money to make these weird movies. Um, mm-hmm. But no, anyway. I have- I appreciate him. He also did the recut of uh, one of the Kubrick films. I want to say 2001. Uh, I can't remember why he recut it. but oh, That's interesting. Yeah, it was on his site for a while. Um, and I may have downloaded it. Uh, but you might look into that as well. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so he was working on Che. And somebody on the crew for that movie was from Bolivia. And he was like leaving the production or whatever. And he's like, wanted to get Steven a gift. 
And he's had the idea. I'll give him some Singani. What that actually meant was he had to fly back to Bolivia because it's not distributed anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Bolivia, got some Singani, went back to like Spain where they were filming Che. Because that makes because sense. Because it's cheap. Yeah. It's probably cheaper there. <clears throat> well, I That's just why mean, everything here is filmed in Canada. I, I just mean all that back and forth travel doesn't make any sense to me. But whatever. It's a gift that you're making to somebody that's important to you. And so Soderbergh tried it. And he's like, so I only have one question. How can we make sure we have this for the rest of the shoot? <laughs> <laughs> I this now. I cannot live without it. So, and like they basically like set up a mule line of people going to Bolivia to get like plastic bottles of this booze and bring it back. And towards the end of the shoot or even at the like closing party or whatever, somebody joked like you should become a distributor for this so that we can have it in the States. And he had had a few drinks as he tells the story. He had a few drinks and he was like, okay. (laughs) And it actually happened. And now there's a brand funded by Steven Soderbergh and I have a signed bottle and Cool. Seek it out. Yeah. It's really good. It's I am really already good. on their site, which is, apparently is very Chicago based. Uh, I'm looking in San Francisco. Oh no, it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Nightbird. Oh, this is only showing me bars, bars and restaurants. I'm I'm sure they have it at all the. Uh, well, I can special order from Cask as well. Yeah, they'll order anything. They'll find it for you. But they, but they have it right around the corner here at Absinthe and Nightbird, which are, if you're in San Francisco, I recommend going to Nightbird for your birthday because I was taken there for my birthday last year and it, it was pristine. It was perfect. They the, the entire staff signed a birthday card. They Aww. had a special dessert for us. Uh, it, it It is great. I have nothing bad to say about Nightbird. It's so- amazing. My only problem is my birthday is New Year's Day, which is like hangover day for everybody. So. That's well, no, 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 no. I, I it doesn't matter. It's your special day, and you should have a special day. Well, what's actually nice here in Colorado, one of my favorite restaurants called Basta, um, mm-hmm. does an industry brunch on New Year's Day because you know everybody was up late, working hard, serving yep. people past midnight. So they do an industry brunch for all the bartenders and wait staff of the Denver Boulder Metro area. And I always go to that and I always have a great time. Nice. See, that's good, but it's not about you, Jake. Oh, but it is about me because they, <laughs> they're, they're very, their hospitality is top notch. So. But do they know it's about you? Yes. Are they, are they treating you special? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what we want. Special treatment. Yeah. They're, That's they're, all we want. They're friends of mine, and I always get good Everyone listening to this podcast, give us special treatment. We deserve a treat. <laughs> As everyone does. Everyone in the world. Absolutely. Give, give them a treat. Well, uh, that was a that was an ample episode. That was a spirited discussion, Lance. I, I think we did well. Yes, and I I hope I have convinced you to, to investigate more Hitchcock. Uh his films are seminal. They are beautiful, uh, and they're super fucked up. 
Yeah. There's a lot there's a lot going on there that that man was not dealing with. Well, and I own several of them. It's just we don't keep them in a rotation or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely think North My Northwest is going to come up real soon for us because that movie is something else. And I, I watched Psycho again. Uh, I don't tend to put that in my uh, panoply. Is that a word? I don't know why that compared to me. Uh, of favorites, but it is, it's really well constructed i'm if i'm honest i'm not sure i've watched that all the way through you should watch it all the way through there's uh, like i I know all about it like the spoilers have been spoiled but like i don't think i've actually viewed the entire movie so i i often forget all of the stuff that happens before she gets to bates motel right all of all of the the weird stuff that and also it takes place Part of it takes place in Bakersfield, so uh, I have to watch the yeah. damn thing. Well, and it, and it's, also, it's totally one, like two different movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, he planted that. Like he cast Janet Lee because she was a big star, and no one expected her to get killed. Yep. Right. She would last through the whole film. She's mm-hmm. a big star. Nope. Another good one to watch is The Birds, which is also. I, I was just going to bring up The Birds. It's another one where I think I've watched it all the way through maybe once, but I've watched chunks of it a lot. Um, wow. Talk about Hitchcock and women. Yeah, you are. I mean, it's just oh, he dude. is so fucked up. He's really fucked up. I mean, I'm a gay guy and I'm fucked up about women, but he's really fucked up. He sh- I, I, probably should have been a gay guy. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I mean, like if he's picturing himself as being Cary Grant. And he ain't he ain't no Cary Grant. <laughs> Can't deny that. Yeah. All right, Jake. Thank you again for suggesting this. This was the film good. thing is fun. The film thing is fun. Uh, I think we might want to go like back and forth or something. Like do a drink one and do a film one. I don't know. I like the film ones though. They're a lot of fun. We'll we'll play it as it lays, as they say in the golf yeah. world. Uh, we'll Which ha- I don't play. Yeah. All right, Lance. Thanks, Jake. Good one. Ooh, shaky noises.